Our lives are full of choices. We make decisions every day. Some seem big and life-altering. Some of the decisions seem small and insignificant. Some days it feels like we're getting to choose where we're going and how we're going to get there and when we're going to go. Some days it feels like those decisions are made for us, like, like the only choice we get is how we respond to the circumstances and the people around us. But in the end, all of those choices add up to where we end up in life. And nowhere is that more true than in our faith journey. Because every day we make decisions that are either moving us closer to God or further away from Him. In fact, that truth is probably seen most clearly in our theme verse for this series from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Listen to what God says to us. He says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. See, it's not just making one choice to be on team God. It is a daily choice, hundreds if not thousands of daily little decisions where I choose whether I'm going to love God or love myself. I choose daily whether I'm gonna listen to his voice or to the voices around me in the culture. When the storms hit my life, I, I choose whether I'm going to hold fast to him or to try to find security in the temporary things of life. And see, that's what this step-by-step -step series is all about, making choices that change everything in our lives. And so over the last two weeks, we've been sort of laying the groundwork for this series, sort of doing the 50,000 foot overview of our faith journey. I talked about the importance of owning your faith journey. That faith is not something you can inherit from others. It's not a responsibility you can put on a church or a pastor or a book. We have to be responsible for our faith. And then last week, I talked about the dangers of drifting. See, in your faith journey, if you stop being intentional about moving towards God, you're not going to be status quo. You're going to move backwards. You're not going to stay in the same place in your spiritual growth if you're not intentional every day. But now what I want to do is sort of turn a corner in this series. I want to sort of get down into some of the details of how this whole spiritual growth thing works. What are the basic ingredients? What are the key habits, the key choices I need to build into my daily life if I'm going to grow spiritually? So I want to begin with asking you a question. 
What are the essentials for spiritual growth? What are the things you have to have in your life in order to grow spiritually? If you were to make a list, what would you put down on this list? These are the tools I have to have to grow spiritually. In fact, let's just do that right now. Just let's make a list. If you're watching with a small group or with other folks, just say some of those things out loud. Some of the things that you would put on the list that are essential tools for your spiritual growth. If you're not watching with a group, if you're watching by yourself, I would suggest just thinking of what would go on that list. I wouldn't recommend talking out loud to yourself because other people might see that and you'll have a whole different problem. But go ahead and do that now. I'll wait. Just say some of the things out loud that would make your list. Seriously, go ahead. All right, time's up. So how'd we do? What are some of the things on that list? I would imagine that probably some of us would say, you know, the Bible. We need the Bible to grow spiritually. Some of us would maybe say a church or a church family. We need other believers to help us grow spiritually. Some of you probably said we need God's spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us. Some of you would probably have said prayer. You know, if you're going to grow closer to Jesus, it's important to have conversations with Jesus. And you would be right. All of those things are critical for our spiritual growth. So what I want to do over the next several weeks is dig down into these key elements, these key tools for our spiritual growth and talk about how we can use them to help us grow closer to God. And so today, I want to start with God's Word, the the Bible. Most of us would say the Bible is essential for my spiritual growth. But the question is, how do we use it to take a next step? How do we use the Bible in a way that actually helps us take steps closer to God? Well, notice what the Bible says about itself in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God, that's the Bible, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And if you really unpack that verse, you see that first of all, it tells you that the Bible is alive and active. It's a living document. It's not just dry, dusty history about how God used to intervene in the lives of people who lived way back then. The Bible is relevant to the lives we're living today. It also tells us that the Bible penetrates us. It's not just a surface changer, but it penetrates, it changes our heart. It says that the Bible judges how I think and the attitudes that I have. Obviously, the Bible is a critical part of my spiritual growth. But like everything else in my spiritual growth journey, it comes down to choices. And so today, I want to look at three choices that will help me build my life on the foundation of God's Word. Three choices I have to make if I'm going to build my life on God's Word. 
So let's jump in. Number one, the first choice that helps me build my life on God's word is to trust God's word. I must choose to trust it. The level of impact that the Bible's gonna have on your life is directly proportional to the level to which you trust that this really is God's word. That you believe that this is not just a book about God, but that it is the very words of God to us. Notice what the Bible says about itself. From the Old Testament in Psalm 119, it says, all of your commands are trustworthy. All of what's in here is trustworthy. Fast forward to the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16, tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. That everything in here comes directly to us from the very heart of God. It is God revealing himself to us. And there's no doubt that the Bible claims that every word in it is God's unchanging truth to us. The question is, do you believe that? Do you trust that this really is God's word to you? I think since we are such a large congregation of diverse people and we're all at different places in our journey back to God, I think the answer to that question is going to be varied. I'm quite sure that that some of us today would say, no, I I don't know that I trust that this really is God's word. I'm not sure that I believe everything in here. And if you're new to this, that makes sense, right? You've you've lived your whole life without the Bible and then all of a sudden you're just gonna accept all of this at one time or, you know, you've heard all these experts who have, you know, talked about controversies and, and the ways that things don't measure up or how this stuff couldn't be true. And so you're like, you know what? I, I'm not sure I trust that this really is God's word. Some of you might be a little further down that road. You would say, you know what, Philip? The New Testament stuff, the stuff about Jesus and all the things that happened with Jesus, I believe that, but the Old Testament, eh. Because there's some weird stuff in there, right? Like I'm not sure that a guy can be swallowed by a fish, survive three days in the belly of that fish, and then be vomited up on the shore and immediately go to preaching. That's a little much for me to accept or, or that a guy built a, a huge boat in the middle of nowhere and it was big enough to hold two of every animal in the whole world. You're like, I'm just not sure I can accept that. Maybe for some of you, you would say, you know what, Philip? Yes, I believe this is God's word to me 100%. I mean, you got the bumper sticker, right? That says God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But here's what's cool. Wherever you are on that spectrum of trusting that God's word really is God's word, the great thing about your faith journey is all of us can take a next step, right? Maybe for those of you who are new and you're just struggling to trust that that this stuff is true, that it really is God's word, listen, you, you don't have to accept it just on blind faith. You don't have to check your intelligence at the door in order to take a next step to believing that this might truly be God's word. Because there is tons of evidence 
that demonstrates that the Bible really is God's word. There's tons of evidence that supports the accuracy of what's in here. There's historical evidence, right? There are tons of secular ancient documents that overlap with the Bible with the names of places and people and rulers. There's archaeological evidence that demonstrates many of the things that happen right here in the Bible. In fact, I remember years ago, one of the critiques of the Bible that kind of tried to prove that it wasn't true was the fact that the Bible in the New Testament talks a lot about a Roman ruler named Pontius Pilate. I mean, he's a pretty big player in the gospel story and particularly with Jesus' crucifixion. And yet there was no archeological evidence of a Pontius Pilate ever existing. No written evidence, no documents, no scrolls, no palaces, no carvings, no statues, no mention. And so the critics would say, look, see, it's all made up. They just made up that guy, Pontius Pilate. And then several years back, some archeologists were doing some work. They were uh, uncovering an ancient Roman amphitheater And they found that that one of the stones that was used there for a, a seating area in that amphitheater, when they turned it over, the name Pontius Pilate was engraved in it. It was a recycled part of a palace or a statue. For me though, just in my personal journey, one of the greatest pieces of evidence that the Bible really is God's word to us is the way that these ancient writings and oral stories, the way they have been preserved and passed down, the the way that they have miraculously really been made available to us all these thousands of years later. In fact, about 10 years ago, I preached an entire message on how we could know that the Bible is true. In fact, we're, we're gonna post that message right now in the chat feature because it's more like a seminary class, but it's just walking through the evidence of the manuscripts and how they were preserved and how they were passed down and, and how these books got chosen among all the other books. And, and so maybe if you're struggling to believe that this really is God's word to us, then maybe just taking, you know, 20, 30 minutes to watch that message. Think of it as just checking out a podcast that that can maybe help you take a next step towards trusting that this is God's word. I would say for those of you who are on the other end of the spectrum that you say, I fully trust God's, that this is God's word. Let me ask you this. Do you know why you believe that? Could you explain it to someone who was a skeptic? See, I think too many of us say we believe this is God's word because that's what mom told us or that's what we heard Pastor Philip say. But look, that's not trusting in God's word. That's trusting in your mom or trusting in Pastor Philip. And while I think it's probably better to trust in your mom than it is in me, that's not really trusting God's word. It's trusting what somebody told you about God's word. Remember when we started this step-by-step journey, I told you one of the most important things that you have to do to grow in your faith is to own your faith. 
So, so maybe your next step is to watch that uh, message video or to start doing some research, not to try to convince you to trust it, but to give you a sense of ownership in knowing why you believe what you believe. At the bottom line is what I'm saying is if you're gonna take a next step towards God, you're gonna have to develop a deeper trust in God's word. Number two, the second choice I have to make to build my life on the Bible is I have to choose to engage with it daily. I must choose to engage with it daily. Because see, the more you begin to trust that this is God's word, the more you will begin to desire to make it a part of what you're building your life on. I mean, let's finish that verse we looked at just a minute ago from 2 Timothy 3 that tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. It all comes to us from the very heart of God. And look at what it says. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, all those things that the Bible does for us, we need daily in our lives. The Bible teaches us, and there are things that we need to learn daily about ourselves, about God, about the people around us. It says that the Bible rebukes me and corrects me, and while that's not pleasant, it's something we all need in our daily lives. We all daily need to be checked. We all daily need to be realigned and get back on the right path. It also says that the Bible trains us to do the right thing. Man, how important is that in this world we're living in now? How important is is it for us to daily know the right thing where we live in a world where what is wrong is called right and what is right is called wrong? That there's no doubt we need God's word every day. The question is, are we making it a part of our daily life? See, just because I believe something, just because I trust that something is true, doesn't mean that I'm actually gonna do anything about it. Let me give you an example. I believe completely in the science of nutrition. I trust the data that says if I eat healthy foods, I'll have a healthy body. And if I eat unhealthy food, junk food, I'll have an unhealthy body. I believe that. I trust that it's true. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop eating Krispy Kreme donuts. It doesn't mean that I'm going to have a healthier diet. Just because I believe it, just because I trust it, doesn't change me unless I'm willing to develop a habit of eating healthy every day. That's how I'm going to have a healthy life. Same is true with your spiritual health. Unless you develop the habit of engaging God's word daily, Believing it and trusting it is not going to grow you closer to God. And that's why, in fact, next week's message, I'm going to spend the entire message getting down into the details of how to engage God's word daily, how to read it, how to study it, how to meditate on it, how to interpret it, 
how to figure out those things that don't make sense when you read it. We're gonna go through all of that next Sunday, but until then, there's a next step that all of us can take in engaging God's word daily. Probably the first step would be if you don't have a Bible, get one. That'd be a great first step to get access to to have a Bible of your own. And, you know, you can do that just through your phone. One of the easiest ways to have a Bible with you all the time is just to download the Bible app from uversion.com. It's a great tool because it gives you not only direct access to the Bible, but it gives you access to multiple English translations of the Bible right there at your fingertips. It gives you even, uh, if English is not your first language, right, you can get access to multiple different languages so that you can read God's word in your heart language. That Bible app provides you with a daily verse that you can focus on first thing every day. It gives you reading plans and devotional plans. There are lots of tools in that Bible app. That's why I would encourage you, if you haven't downloaded it, download it. But I would also encourage you to have a a paper copy as well, a backup copy. And here's why. Uh, Pastor West at our West campus, because of all of his years in law enforcement, he's always, you know, preparing for worst case scenario. What do we have to deal with? We need to be ready if bad things happen. So we were in a meeting the other day and he's like, you know, we're encouraging people to use the Bible app and that's great, but what happens if the Chinese hit us with a, a EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, and it shuts down the power grid? What happens if the internet gets shut down? And I'm like, fine, never really thought about it. Only Wes would think about something like that. And and I'm not so sure that's gonna happen, but you know what? I do remember a time when we had an ice storm and we were without power for five days. And if I had not had a printed copy of the Bible when my phone died and my computer died and the batteries died, I would have had no access to God's word. So I would encourage you, get the app, but also get a, a printed copy as well. And, and one of the ones I would encourage you, if you're not familiar, if you're new to the Bible, I would probably recommend getting what's called a study Bible. There are lots of them in a lot of different modern translations. And the cool thing about a study Bible is you have the verses and the passages there on the top of the page, but usually down at the bottom, you have like little explanations or clarifications about the words that you're reading. It's like having a, a, a little pastor in the bottle right there when you're reading the Bible. But the first step to engaging God's word daily is to make sure you have a Bible, you have access to it. Now, if you already have one or once you get access to it, then one of the things I would encourage you to consider doing is making sure you're spending time with it every day. Begin to develop a habit of starting your day or ending your day or just taking a little time every day to read and think about what you're reading in God's word. So if, you're, if you don't already have that daily habit, then start this week to develop it. Now, for those of you who are already in that habit of engaging God's word every day, then maybe the next step for you is actually applying what you're learning, putting into practice the things that God is speaking into your life. 
Because just knowing the Bible and understanding the Bible is not going to transform you. And that really leads us to the third choice we have to make to build our lives on God's word, and that is we gotta put it into practice. I must put it into practice. Because the things that the Bible teaches me, the places where the Bible corrects me, the areas of my life where the Bible transforms me, they all need to be lived out in my daily life. In fact, notice James 1.25. It says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Anybody who is studying it, reading it, engaging God's word on a continual basis, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be the people, James says, that will be blessed in what they do. You want God's blessing in your life? then you gotta apply the truths of God's word to your life. You want God to bless your life, and by the way, not all of God's blessings are sunshiny, happy party days. In fact, some of God's greatest blessings come to us in the difficult storms of life. But the ultimate blessing of God's li- of our life in God, the blessings that he gives us, his peace, no matter what the circumstances, his power, his presence, those blessings come from applying the truth of God's word to our circumstances, applying the truth to our relationships, applying these truths to our business practices, applying these truths to the way we treat both our neighbors and our enemies. You gotta put it into practice. I think it was John Maxwell, the preacher and leadership guru who said, as Christians in America, we are often educated far beyond our obedience. In other words, the problem is not that we don't know what the Bible tells us to do. The problem is we're often not willing to do it. I like to say it this way. Information ain't transformation without application. Let me say that again. Information ain't transformation without application. It's not gonna change your life. It's not gonna move you steps closer to God unless you put it into practice. You know, over the years that I've been a pastor, I've often had people come to me and say, you know, preacher, I wanna go deeper in my Bible study. I want a deeper understanding. I really wanna go deep in God's word. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad you desire that, but I always offer a caution. And the caution is this. Sometimes, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but sometimes our desire to go deeper in God's word is because we're not willing to do the work of God's word that we already know. Like we wanna get lost in being more biblically educated because that means that we don't have to work so hard to be biblically living our lives. Another caution I give myself about going deeper and knowing more about the Bible is that I am accountable for what I know. 
and I'm having such a hard time living out the stuff in the Bible that I already know, I'm not so sure that I wanna have a greater level of accountability for other things in my life. Listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't just dig in and ingest and and make God's word. Obviously, you should. But what I'm saying is, if you wanna take a next step in your faith journey, you gotta start putting it into practice. So here's the homework for us this week. That verse of the day that comes on your Bible app or that passage that is the basis of the daily devotion that you're reading, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. As you read it, ask God to show you how to live it out. Just simply say, God, show me how to put this in to practice. And then think of one way you could act in light of what God's word is speaking to you. Because building your life on God's word means you gotta trust that this is God's word. You gotta engage with it daily and ultimately you gotta live it out. And so as I I close today, I wanna leave us with one final thought because I believe this is the ultimate motivation, the ultimate reason for building our lives on God's word. It comes from Romans 15, four. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. And hope is something I know every one of us could use more of. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you speak clearly to us through it. And so, Father, I pray for all of us, wherever we are in our faith journey, that we would be willing to take just one small step, just to make one move a little closer to living for you, to following you. God, help us have the courage to make the choices we need to make so that we can see those choices change everything in us and about us so that we could live our lives for your glory. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.